Hello, Slovenian citizens. You are listening to the Dare Daniel Podcast, where you send us your most sinister movie dares, and we suffer the consequences for your amusement. I'm Corky McDonald, and I'm a beastician. And with me, as always, is film critic Daniel Barnes. Hi, everyone. As Corky said on this show, we do your dirty work. Yo, dirty dogs, you. And we watch the most unwatchable movies you can imagine. Then what do we do? We review and rate them on our unique system. <laughs> our system is Corky eating wings like there's literally no tomorrow. As though you were suffering under a brutal fascist dictator for the last several decades. Now, what do we do? We review and rate them on our unique system. It's a run-of-the-mill bad film. That gets a dare. Double dare goes to the truly atrocious movies. And we reserve the reverse dare for a despised movie that is actually pretty good. Throw to Corky, no smacking. So we're eating chicken wings. We're smacking down bon mis and sausages. We're drinking beers. And you might hear a little... Sound in the background, because we're on the porch of Sac City Brews in the lovely Talic Village. We're on the spot, right? We're on the spot. We're on the scene. We're here. We're happening. It's live. It's real. And it's now. Oh, and by the way, <laughs> we're going to talk about a movie eventually. Eventually, we'll get there. The movie we're going to oh, talk about? Oh, we'll get about? there. We'll get there. First, call and response. I say Corky. You say McDonald. Bond me. Go. Chicken wing. Now. All right. <laughs> That was literally the best outcome that we could have hoped for. Literally as close as we could have possibly got at this point. So let's derail this train onto the track. Let's rail it. Let's rail it. Let's re-rail the train. The train's been derailed. We We got here. We're problem solvers. We're going to be talking about Ken Kwapis' 1997 romantic comedy, The Beautician and the Beast. And what a pile of Kwapis it is. Starring Fran Drescher and Timothy Dalton. But before we get started, Daniel's going to tell us about the beer we're drinking during the show. Well, we got a several beers here in front of me. I'm not sure where to start. I'll just start with the one that's in my hand right now. That is by Calicraft. Calicraft is, uh, I believe, out of San Francisco. This is their Oaktown Brown Ale. I'm going to sip it right now. Yeah, it's brown. It's malty. It's got a, a very nice woody sort of a backbone to it. It's a very nice brown ale. It's not the super sweet. It has a lot of texture to it. And I'm eating some Goku-chan chicken wings with jalapenos on top, and I should not have just eaten jalapeno while I'm doing the podcast. <laughs> Use it, baby. Beautician and the Beast came to us in a pretty fun way. There was um, a couple mentions on social media. Usually, we ask you to go to the daredaniel.com, submit your dares, but we also say, hey, bring it to us on social media, baby. Bring it to us any way you got it. We'll take it. And one of our listeners, Ryan Terry, at RLTerry1, he set up a poll for people to vote, should we do Beautician and the Beast? On the Twitter. He set up a poll. You can do this on the Twitter. This is this for is our wonderful. older listeners now. Twitter um, is social media. It's the same thing. It's, it means the same. It's the same deal. The dare came to us officially by Courtney Rounds. And the dare goes like this. Because it is amazing and I want someone to discuss it so I can either shake my head in agreement or my fist in anger. Also, spoon massage. The IMDb synopsis. A New York City cosmetologist, mistakenly thought to be a science teacher, is offered a job to teach children of an Eastern European dictator. So, Beautician and the Beast, like we said, it was directed by Ken Kwapis. He is best known for his TV work. He directed a bunch of episodes of The Office and a a lot of TV shows. Not necessarily known for his film work. And we'll get into why. Uh, He did a few classics, though. Follow that bird. Follow that bird. (laughs) 
Uh, written by Todd Graff, who was a character actor back in the day. Fran Drescher, you know, she went to cosmetology school in real life. This movie is based on real life. This actually happened to Fran Drescher. This actually all basically, I mean, basically. She went to cosmetology school. That's the, the key there, right there. The film was made right in the middle of Drescher's very successful run on the television program The Nanny. She executive produced this movie. This was her baby, and it was essentially the attempt to segue from television stardom into film stardom. By doing the exact same thing. By playing, basically, her character from The Nanny. Film was released February 7, 1997. Critics, how'd they like it? Not so much! 19 on Rotten Tomatoes. 19! But the audiences, they flock to it, right? Incorrect. You are incorrect, sir. Film grossed $11.5 against a production budget of $16 million. The film, obviously, from the title, plays on Beauty and the Beast and other similar stories. The original title was actually The King and Oi, <laughs> which is the best joke in the film, Yes, and it's not in the film. I would have liked that net title. <laughs> Corky, after watching the film and understanding its failure, are you mourning the lost Fran Drescher movies? Yeah, I, I think I'm missing that. She could have had a five, six movie package of these. <laughs> Just her character. The Fran Drescher. Traveling the world. Just traveling the world. Each situation is <laughs> just her against some stuffed shirt guy with kids. And guess what? She's going to win her win him over with her sass. With her sass. With her, her can-do attitude. And her pantsuits. Her fashion and her pantsuits. Those pantsuits, baby, though. No issue with the pantsuits. No, nope, Certainly. Nope. She looks amazing Certainly not. She looks fantastic. Yeah. She's at the height of her powers in so many ways. I was sitting there like, fuck, Fran Drescher looks fucking good. I was wondering if maybe I should start watching The Nanny. Should no. I, I, no. No. You're saying no. Having never seen it. Having never seen it, <laughs> I can you're say. You're going to go ahead and say no. <laughs> yeah, this movie was just very uninteresting, honestly. It's... I guess we'll find enough to talk about, but I was watching this with my wife, and her comment was that it's like they're just reading the script. It, mm. There's a script, and they're just reading through it. It has all the energy of a table read without any of the energy of a table read. Yeah. It's it's just an incredibly boring and kind of empty, formulaic sort of a movie, except the only twist on it is that you're basically throwing Fran Drescher and having her do her shtick, yeah, which right. I imagine is basically her shtick from The Nanny. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, if listeners of the podcast would probably be able to predict this, I told my girlfriend what I was watching and I got the text back, oh, that's one of my favorite movies. (laughs) And I was like, I could have told you that before. (laughs) I know my girlfriend's taste. This is her hallmark, uh, movie, uh, the accidental princess or some title like that. (laughs) This is her taste. That sounds pretty good though. Yeah. Right. It doesn't sound like one of those shows. Yeah, no, I, I equated this to several episodes of a TV show. Yeah. Everything's delivered with the cadence of waiting for the laugh track. Yeah. And they even start supplanting things in there as a laugh track to let the audience know when it was a joke. <laughs> Beautician and the Beast, 1997. And it's a PG. We, I don't think we've ever done a straight PG on this. No? Heart no. Beeps wasn't PG? Oh, Heart Beeps, but Heart Beeps just... Heart Beeps was just good fun for the whole family. <laughs> But this movie's like violently If PG. you want your family to contemplate death and life and existence. I think Heartbeats dealt with more mature issues than this movie did. <laughs> it certainly this does. This movie's maliciously PG. <laughs> there's not one cuss word. The man's a dictator when uh, there's no threats of violence. 
So it opens with this animated sequence, a sort of Disney, a play on like a Disney fairy tale movie. Dresher voices this sleeping beauty, Snow White type, who is uh, in the forest. She's asleep. The Prince Charming rides in and he gives her a kiss and wakes up. And of course, it's Fran Drescher with Fran Drescher. But you're not expecting that. Fran. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> and she says things like, I don't want to get married. No. You just woke me up. She has, quote, dreams and ambitions. Now, remember that. Because it will only come up a couple of other times when it's convenient for the plot. I think that's Michael Lerner's only dialogue in the movie. <laughs> we both got dreams and ambitions. But she wakes up from what turns out to be a dream, this animated sequence, and she really does have dreams and ambitions in real life. And the, play- the character, when we go to live action, is Fran Drescher as Joy. Joy Miller. Joy Miller. The credits roll over a Jeffree Star palette, just a bunch of makeup brushes, <laughs> foundations, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Yeah, there's this very uh, kind of old-fashioned romantic comedy sort of a music going on as well. Yeah. When she wakes up from the dream, she's she's actually sort of auditioning for a TV show. But is she an actress? No, she's actually the makeup girl. Yeah, right. She's making up the lotto girl on the show. And this is her big break. She, she mentions that she's juggling three jobs. And this is her big break. And, of course, she makes up the lotto girl to look exactly like her with really high-teased hair and very severe, intense makeup. We gather... Because this movie is poorly written and edited, yes. that it did not go well. That isn't really mentioned or anything like that. It just cuts to her talking to her mom, and she looks dejected. And she says, they gave it to a classy European. They gave it to a classy, <laughs> classy European. I just want to hear that. Like, How did that go? We're not going to give it to a classless Long Island woman no, like you. Right. We're giving it to a classy European. For the lotto girl, absolutely. And to her words also, she says this again, I don't want to settle. Don't want to settle. Again, remember that when she falls super hard for a fascist dictator. (laughs) For a brutal, brutal fascist dictator. So there's a whole bunch of hijinks with her family, which is Michael Lerner, and I'm not sure who the actor is. I don't know who that is. She's an overbearing Long Island mom. Joy also teaches beauty school at night. Flashy, not trashy. That's the motto. Of course, Joy has very loud, not only voice, but her hair is very loud, her makeup's loud, her clothes are loud. And th- Everything she wears is very, uh, like, neon-colored. Well, except for this outfit. This outfit, everything looks like it's from the set of Shindig, some 60s <laughs> yeah, musical right. show, right? This one, though, I noticed it right off the bat because she's dressed like a S&M nun. <laughs> like, she, like she, her name would be Mistress Teresa. You know what I mean? Well, she's teaching her class. Yeah, so she's got she's to... She's got to wear a uniform of some kind. Yeah, she's teaching beauty school at night. Yeah, uh, yeah, she's teaching beauty school at night in a science (laughs) classroom because they're in a science room. So what happens? Something catches on fire. Absolutely. And how do they go? Builds into the towering inferno. Yeah. How do they go to put the fire out? They spray hairspray. Spray hairspray on the fire. So the fire grows. Wigs catch on fire, mannequins catch on fire. Students all run out of the room, but Joy sees that there's still some hamsters or something like that in the class. So she runs in and saves the hamsters. Hold on. But these students, they are not the brightest lip gloss on the lip, right? (laughs) They're not the sharpest mascara stick in the palette box. Yeah, makeup jokes. Makeup terms. (laughs) Absolutely. But her saving the animals, it becomes a big deal as she makes the front page of the paper. Huge headlines, and the next day, she actually finds herself followed by a black car and a man in a black car. The the shot the next day is her on the busy-ass New York street, walking, reading a paper, and instantly she turns around and sees that a car is following her. (laughs) 
traffic is just <laughs> flying There's around a million her. people around her. She's got amazing spidey senses. <laughs> it's just like, hang on, a car started moving. But who comes out of the car? Well, she runs away, and again, there's some more hijinks involving her pepper spray. She sprays him with banaca, and then she sprays him with whipped cream with or something. Moose. Moose, yeah. yeah. This man in the scene with her, his wig is so bad, it's coming off the left side <laughs> of his face, so they only film him from the right side. But you see the left side kind of flap in the wind. So I didn't catch his name, but the man in the, in the car, he's an old man. And he represents the Republic of Slovitsia. 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 And he offers her, just on the street, hey, come to Slovitsia and teach the children of the president of Slovitsia right. about, you know, whatever. And she takes the job. Well, at first she's, she says, and I quote, talk to the hand. <laughs> she says talk to the hand. It was there. Some screenwriter. Did you recognize this guy? This guy, no. Yeah, I kept saying, every time he talked, I would say souvenirs, novelties, party <laughs> oh, no shit. Yeah, really? that's, that's who awesome. it is. Top secret. Sweet. Probably my most watched movie of all time. But yeah, she says talk to the hand, and then he's like, how about a little money? And she's like, okay, I'm let's, in. let's go, right? So she's taken off. She's got no reason to stay here. She didn't get the lotto job. And she's teaching nights. <laughs> but it rushes through this so fast. It's just like, get her out of the, get her to beautician, get her to the beast. Get she's got to gotta the beast. be several thousand dollars into that school that she burned down. <laughs> but she's whisked away to beautiful Slovitsia in Eastern Europe. And you know, how do you know it's a poor country because they're herding sheep across the runway? I thought that was a good joke. As her plane ran, I actually laughed at that. Absolutely. That the plane had to stop until let sheep herders. And shepherd. there's turmoil all around them. This is clearly a uh, after the Cold War so- sort of situation. A brutal dictatorship has sort of segued into a brutal democracy led by the same strongman. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And there's you seeds of dissent everywhere. Someone's uh, defacing a sign with Timothy Dalton's picture on it. They egg the car where they're driving in, but they live in this giant, uh, that w- Boris, Boris Ovchenko, Pochenko, Boris Pochenko lives in a giant castle that oversees this miserable little Eastern European Republic. It's called Castle Matpaintsia, because that's what it is when they go look at it. It's a map painting of a castle in between these two buildings. So not until they actually get to Slovitsia and land... Yes. What's his name? Guy in the car who's... Top secret guy. Top secret guy who recruited Fran Drescher is like, wait, you're not a science teacher? That's what I love. This woman who takes a job that was offered to her by a car that was following her on a New York street seems to surprise that there's a catch or that this thing could go wrong somehow. (laughs) That she's not being recruited to teach the children (laughs) of the president cosmetology. (laughs) And, of course, the guy never even thought to ask. He just saw her picture in the paper and thought, well, there's a great teacher. Obviously, the best teacher. But I love that. What did they talk about the whole time on the flight like, over? That was a long flight. <laughs> that was an international they flight. They to the traveling pants or <laughs> yeah, something. They never mentioned that she's a goddamn beauty school teacher. So she's in the, the big dark castle. You also find out that Timothy Dalton, who plays Boris Pachenko. Boris Pachenko. Is nicknamed Boris the Beast. And he's an angry ruler. He's angry. How angry is he? She misses a ceremony welcoming her, and how does he respond to that? He's a little upset, kicks down her bedroom door while she is half naked. (laughs) That's right. And starts screaming at her. 
never do that again, and then storms out. And that's basically the end of her first day. The reason she gives for being late to that <laughs> meeting is she says, it's so dark in here. Meanwhile, she's being lit, like, angelically. Like, the entire movie, she's lit like a dream sequence, like a Barbara Walters interview. Greg Toland was lighting her this entire movie. <laughs> So she wakes up after her first night, and who is at the foot of her bed but all four of Boris's children? That's how it happens, Dan. One day you just wake up surrounded by children. They range in age from young adult to like a toddler. Yeah. Eating his own fingers <laughs> age. eating his own fingers. Doesn't make any sense. The I didn't catch his name, but the oldest is a boy, and he says to her, and uh, remember, this is a strange woman who he's been watching sleeping and is talking to for the first time. He says... We don't want to, quote, get raped by your mindless cultural imperialism, kids. Kids. They say the darndest <laughs> things. <laughs> they're just adorable with their talk of rape and cultural imperialism. So, breakfast time. Mm-hmm. Breakfast time. And this is a very sound of music type of scene here. She is having breakfast with all of the kids. And uh, Boris storms in. just storms in reading a paper. Yelling about the New York Times. I mean, and who doesn't do that every morning? Exactly. Goes to a, a waiter holding a tray, grabs a sausage, takes one bite, and goes to leave. Like, why did you even come in, dude? Why did you even <laughs> gonna have that bite of sausage in the hallway? You're a dictator. Have it brought to you. Very complex blocking for <laughs> one bite of sausage. But that's that's the Ken Quapus magic. But that's the thing. And then... She kind of guilts him into sitting down and spending time with his children. Exactly, and he's a he's a grumpy Gus. He's a grumpy. I Gus. mean, this, he's a dictator, right? He murders he's, people. He's got to ruthlessly slaughter innocents. He has a dungeon in his house. <laughs> <laughs> and does he keep some of the main characters of this movie in there? Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> he's one of those guys, you know, a project, <laughs> a bad boy, For the gals. <laughs> Oh, you can fix them. You can I just fix wrote them. down while this scene is happening. I'm not sure what's happening right now because I don't get the purpose of this breakfast scene. <laughs> There's no purpose. Except that they're slowly falling in love and she's melting his heart like a, a glacier and what have you. Uh, class. Yes. Class. It's class time. She's the teacher. She's the science teacher who is going to teach every subject. So she's teaching from the Slovitsia text, though. This is yeah. approved by the Slovitsia school district. Correct. And again, remember the children are from age like two to early twenties, and they're all being taught the same material. And they're all yeah, right. The <laughs> two year old same class. <laughs> two year old doesn't know the alphabet. <laughs> uh, the book that she uses is a propaganda textbook. That claims Boris Pachenko won Operation Desert Storm. <laughs> we find out that the teenage daughter, Katrina, is in an arranged marriage. She starts confiding in joy. This, one, this part cracked me up, too, because she just tells her, she goes, I want the sex. I want sex, sex, sex. Yeah. And I really thought, okay, this is a really kind of clever take on this. This teen girl is just horned up. And she's an American woman's like, you know all about sex. Yeah. But no, she just doesn't know what sex is. She thinks sex is holding hands and kissing and stuff like that. She's like me until I was 24. <laughs> hey. Yo, get that? So now Boris, who just screams at, at Joy nonstop, just nonstop. He screams at her while he's fencing. So he has a sword and he's just cutting down young men and screaming at this woman. Yeah. His employee. And this okay. is flirtation. 
itch. Classic flirtation. Classic negging. I started thinking about her. She because she's full of sass. She's full of spunk. That's joy. Nobody gets the better of her, or yeah. at least the dictator doesn't. She's like a smarter, spunkier Linda Voss from Shining Through. Interesting. Yeah. Right. So she can just sass everybody. Nobody gets the better of her. However, her voice is not as dumb as Linda Voss's <laughs> in Shining Through Episode 7. Dear, dear, dear. Episode 9, I think. Episode Eight. 9. 8. 8? 8. Do I hear 6? Can I get I'm 10? I'm sticking with 8. I'm sticking with 8. Man in the back, man in the back out 11. <laughs> but she's like the opposite of Linda Voss, though, because Linda Voss was the most brilliant, spunkiest... <laughs> woman in the world until she actually met Nazis and then she shit the bed. <laughs> Fran Drescher's life was kaput over in the United States and then she gets over to Europe and she's fucking got it all together. Uh, Nobody's getting the better yeah, of her. That's amazing. That's great analysis. Hey. <laughs> I like strong women characters. But she does have a moment of tenderness with Boris. They do have a little moment together. This is where I really noticed how much trouble, how much Ken Quapis is a television director. Yeah. Anytime there's a large space to light, he is lost. Yes, right. It, it, is, it is filled with mist, and it is filled with just uh, gloss and haze. Yes. This is a very hazy-looking She movie. looks angelic yes. in scenes until she doesn't because the lighting is... Cha- somebody's moved, and the light changes, <laughs> like, and then it takes a, a second to catch. Shadow. Yes. <laughs> so like we said, we have a moment of tenderness. He has to go away because there's a, quote, planning committee for the summit. This will not come up again. Uh, Boris's oldest son is waiting in Joy's bedroom when she gets back. He gets a little rapey. And the intimates that his dad is the same way. He is taking as his dad takes. Ew. Yeah. But Joy very easily overpowers him. Because like you said, nobody gets the better of Joy. No. Nobody gets the better of Joy. So now sh- she goes out to see the sights. So the use of cinematic space in this sequence is incredibly transylmania like because Ooh, yeah good reference absolutely car pulls in the frame <laughs> fran drescher gets out on the side we can see car pulls away katrina is just crouched on the other side of the car <laughs> and says that she was in the car and kind of like it's very clear that the camera just started we saw nobody else in that yeah, car she's just boom there she is and they go into a and that would mean fran drescher just missed her in the car with her she was they were all three and the driver too and they were all together and she got out and she didn't get out on the side that fran drescher got out on she got on the driver's side it's insane yeah so anyway they go into an underground club where there are some backroom revolutionaries, including the leader. I never caught his name, but it's Katrina's boyfriend. She she instantly takes off her little peasanty clothes. She's wearing a very hip outfit. Yeah, she's the one they barely give a storyline to. She gets the one little bit of a storyline, but they don't they don't do it enough to introduce her boyfriend's name, the love no. of her life, the only thing that drives her character. He's making a speech about we need to overthrow the dictator or whatever nonsense. And when's the last time you went to a? Dance club slash revolutionary overthrow the government club. The last time? The last time. I mean, I'm in my 40s now. It's yeah, been right. at least five years. It's been a while. I mean, because yeah. I go to one, but I don't go to the other now. That's <laughs> what know? it is. I can't find them together anymore. Yeah. The Tuesday night one, I mean, forget about it. I used right. to, it would, if it was a weeknight, it didn't even matter. But yeah, we see Katrina kiss the leader, and then we, just, right. we know they're together, and someone else is giving a speech now. It doesn't really matter. Who cares. But Dresser looks fucking flawless in this dress. 
She looks fantastic She's throughout amazing. the entire movie. She's I never, wearing... I never fully appreciated Tra- Fran Drescher's beauty. She's she's, she's absolutely adorable. She's got it going on. Got it going on all the way, all the way. When he gets arrested, when her revolutionary boyfriend gets finally gets arrested, yeah. he is so dramatic. This guy milks every single. <laughs> this thing. was his big break. Oh my god! And this is not the first time. I don't think he has a word after after the revolutionary speech. But he milks every scene, struggles against captors who going barely, for the sad card. <laughs> they're barely interested in holding him. <laughs> yeah, he gets arrested. Uh, guys in suits, of course, come in and arrest the leader of the rebels. Yeah, and and not Udo Kier is there. The, not Udo Kier is there, of course, because he's the real evil guy, not the not the fascist dictator, right? And Katrina yells out, "He's a patriot," which has a very like Daisy and Revolution sort of vibe to oh, it, right? That's because right. Man, she's she comes from privilege, and she's and there's some re- Renaissance man touches in here as well because it goes on for fucking ever. And Shakespeare and fake teacher Romeo and Juliet. That's holy shit, man. We might and be those students are dumb as shit, <laughs> and as dumbass. Fran Drescher's makeup tools were forged with Excalibur steel. <laughs> that's too arcane that's too arcane that's a deep dive to that's dark tower king arthur that's too arcane all right so when the jesus christ so the rebel gets arrested yes and boris reams out joy and katrina right reams out both of them and then the next day sits in on class. So right. this was this was the real Renaissance man. Pops kind of in scene. on they class. They talk about Romeo and Juliet. And uh, I wrote, "Where's the little dirty kid? He just disappears. A little two year old. He just got the run of the castle all the freaking time." But when they're talking about Romeo and Juliet, it turns out that she's actually showing them West Side Story. Yeah, not Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, and then she talks shit about Natalie Wood's Puerto Rican accent. Right. Meanwhile. Timothy Dalton is just butchering that Slovetsian accent, <laughs> culturally appropriating their wardrobe all the over Slovetians the place. Slovetsians are not going to be happy when no. they hear what he did to that dialect. I mean, that's uh, there's no nuances to it whatsoever. But this is where I first, I'm sorry, but I noticed not Udo Kier's scene entrances. <laughs> He's always just the guy hovering in the shadows and walks in. And when the camera pushes, it's like, oh, <laughs> you can almost hear the studio audience going, ooh. Yeah, exactly. We know that guy's bad. Yeah. He's glaring. He's bald. <laughs> he earned everything he ever got. He's completely loathsome. <laughs> Not like that man with hair who's a brutal fascist dictator, just like his father and his father's father. Not like the handsome guy who's the leader of the country, right. the bald guy yeah. who cares about his country and is acting in the best interest the as he sees. ordering the torture? Kind of hot. No. The dude doing the torture? Bummer. But again, we're saying torture. This is such a PG movie. Oh, it is. He's but there's, a dictator. There's jokes about murder. There's oh, yeah. jokes about this he, guy disappeared. He's Stalin without the charm yes, is exactly. a joke. So now he's speaking to a crowd because this is what brutal fascist dictators do. They just speak to cheering crowds while there's an angry looking poster of them behind them. And Pachenko is speaking to the crowd. He's still very threatening. He says he's, they've arrested this guy. And yeah, the crowd is cheering. It's very Evita standing on the, it the is. balcony. And then, of course, she comes right out and does the Evita pose of just doing the basic touchdown Jesus kind of but pose. But before that, you, the microphone picks up this audible split. When she sees him and his power over all these people, she's got the gaga eyes for She's him. into it now. So yeah. what do we get? We get the classic sitcom scene 
of the meeting in the kitchen in the middle of the night to make a sandwich. The midnight sandwich scene? What is that? Have you ever met anyone in the kitchen in the middle of the night and been like, I was just here to make a meatloaf sandwich? No one. No one's done that. And no one's kitchen looks like a midtown <laughs> grocery store, a hipster grocery store where salami hangs in nets. But don't worry because she says, I can find food at Gandhi's house. <laughs> this is the level of jokes. Of joke. Quote, unquote, joke. So yeah, there's some sandwich making, but we're also going to talk about Boris's dead wife because we need to humanize him. So we did hear about her. I never caught what happened. His wife died. Okay. Uh, did, we, did he throw her under the bus? <laughs> yeah, right. Burned her alive in the public square. <laughs> uh, no, just dead. Just dead. That's, it, that's it. That's as far as we get into it? Dead though. Dead. I mean, he, he murdered her. He this murdered movie her. is so PG, it hurts. <laughs> it's insane, right? But they almost bone right on the salamis. Yeah. The dead wife is in the pantry right now, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, like five she's, feet away. She's Thursday night's dinner. <laughs> she follows him and sees him being tender with a young child, or his youngest. Uh, what's the youngest kid? Johan? Johan. Who I, gives a no, shit? I'm that up. <laughs> That's a shit. She's obviously falling in love. And the next day they're walking around and she actually has him make small talk with the peasants. How are you doing? How's your cold? Yeah. There's the one guy, he's got a cold that goes on for, like, months. There's, all he gets asked about is his cold. It's, like, the nicest thing. Any- but he's into it. He's loving talking to these serfs. At first, he's like, what is this? And then he's like, what is this? Yes. He's into it. He loves it. But number two, evil number two, he's spying on him. In exchange to getting to meet peasants, he takes her to a factory. Right. And this is, like, one of the... Probably the best visual bit in the movie where he's getting cheered by all of the workers and he's running around glad handing everyone and everyone's just loving him. He gets on a forklift and is riding around the room and Joy talks to one of the workers and they've never heard of overtime. They've never heard of a union or anything like that. Yeah. And the bit is that she starts basically Norma Raying the entire She has thing. a Norma Ray with a bra But it's moment. actually a really good, probably just the one good use of space and editing in the movie where... He is being viewed from below, and and uh, he's on this forklift, and smash cut over to her, and she is like on a little soapbox <laughs> with both arms up, rallying. The, She's like Eugene Debsutant, <laughs> just getting the workers. Eugene Debsutant, <laughs> come on, where else are you gonna get that? Never. Where else do you get that? You get that nowhere else. You get that nowhere else. It's highbrow, lowbrow, and Goku Chan chicken. Everything brow. in between. Pachenko brow. I'm having a Pachenko brow right now. What dark beer? <laughs> All of a sudden, the next day we're we're playing Twister. the The kids are playing Twister. <laughs> kids are playing Twister. I thought this was the grossest. You don't want teens playing Twister with their siblings. No. <laughs> Twister was always like cheap, cheap dry humping. You don't want teens playing that with their brothers and sisters. Joy is also starts taking Katrina down to the castle dungeon. Yeah, there's a a dungeon. Yeah, in the castle of this guy that she's falling in love with, and who's being kept in the dungeon? Katrina's lover, her teenage lover, unnamed teenage lover number one, in a dungeon. She takes him to a. And I'm not just saying dungeon and describing like a dark room. No, it's referenced as a dungeon. Right? Yeah, it's a dungeon. <laughs> Ladies, take a tip from an old married guy. <laughs> if he's keeping other men. In a dungeon? <laughs> in his house. You can't fix him. No. You either got to accept him as he is or move on. Yeah. That's just a little something from an old married guy. And don't, hey, 10th wedding anniversary last year. You're listening to love me. tips from an old married guy. Don't believe me. 
with Daniel and Corky. Next scene. Makeover. We're at 61.30, and we have our first dictator makeover scene. Right after the trip to the dungeon, she's like, I still kind of got a crush on him. I'm still kind of <laughs> into him. I can fix him. Makeover. Makeover. So she cuts off his mustache, and it is done in this amazing way where they're like, let's do it in one shot. <laughs> they lather up Timothy Stalton's face, which obviously does not have a mustache on it and then she just wipes off the liquid she, well, first she uses scissors on his mustache like she, no human has ever used scissors before she kind of <laughs> just jabs around it and i'm sure timothy dalton was on set like flinching out every other cut they had to get like 140 takes of this but they spin it around and then boom what do you know the he mustache looks, that was not on his I'm face i'm gonna say this he looks older without the mustache without the mustache yeah yeah she thought it was gonna take years off his life not so much yes he asked her to Plan some catered event. He's falling yeah. for her. And so I guess this is the big summit we were all anticipating <laughs> from so early in the film. Every plot line. Get, the kids get forgotten about. It all about comes for back like, to this very important Every kid but Katrina gets forgotten about for like 45 the minutes of this movie. The kids just are gone. They are gone. The Forget about The you don't kids. see until he shows up naked later it's on. naked later. That's it. Yeah, there's all these bits. She's going to kill the chicken, but then she can't kill the chicken. And then the chicken gets into a pot and cries. Yeah, was the chicken trying to kill itself? The chicken, well, the chicken just gave itself up for the good of the state, as all of the res- uh, citizens of Slovenia are, Slovitsia, are expected to do. I submit to, to the will of my dictator. <laughs> that is it, Slovitsia, Cut baby. scene, she's in bed, the chicken is in bed with her. Yeah. Which I thought was the first PG-13 moment in this movie. It was pretty intense, and I liked it. Boris gives in to the union, decides he is going to let them create a union. Number two is freaking out. So what does Boris say? Talk to the hand. <laughs> the influence of joy. It's coming into his life. He's saying, talk to the hand. Why couldn't they do it in Slovetian? I know, right? <laughs> These should have been in Slovetian. Grosh to the flush. No like. subtitles. <laughs> Otherwise, that's you're raping me with your cultural imperialism. Mom calls. Lana wants her back. The dream job, I guess. So I started thinking about this. This was before cell phones. Right. Did mom have the number of the castle that she was at? Like, and when you call a castle, who do you get? Right. <laughs> Is there a switchboard operator at the castle? Is that what the dungeon people do? <laughs> Are they on? <laughs> Is that their work project? That's like prison labor. Prison labor, <laughs> they're, right? They're taking the who calls. Who patches that call through to her room in the castle? <laughs> mom tells her that a lot of people fired the classy European, and I thought this was a funny joke. They don't want a classy person. They want you. Yeah. Good, Good joke. Well delivered. But she's kind of in love with this brutal fascist dictator. And sure. it turns out he's being, I mean, he's kind of decent. He's still keeping a guy in his dungeon. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. We're working through he it. He needs me, Mom. He's got people to kill. We're he needs me. We're working through it. Boris. His number two is upset that there's potpourri on a table during a meeting. <laughs> and it just reminded me of the dead. You ever watch Deadwood? Remind no. me of the canned peaches on the table. Say, oh, okay. If you ever watch Deadwood, the canned peaches on the table. Reminds me a lot of this potpourri on the table shit. <laughs> Johnny just walked out. He couldn't take it anyway. We get so many 90s references. There was a ton of 90s references in this that brought me back. Fen-Fen gets referenced. There's a Fen-Fen reference. Do you remember Fen-Fen? Yeah, Fen-Fen. I hadn't thought about Fen-Fen in 20 years. The uh, deadly diadrug. Yeah, loosen my stool. <laughs> I'll keep that low for the people eating food next to me. <laughs> They're having the Fen-Fen special. So uh, you the really Fen-Fen should, special? <laughs> yeah. It just makes your stomach dissolve? The Fen-Fen fajitas. <laughs> It's been fantastic. 
I'll have the thin French fries. <laughs> so the massage scene. Yeah, there's. She's gonna. This is some hygiene. Take a, a shower in his secret shower or something like that, and he walks in on her. Which Nick we get a the, little well, first bit of Nick a. Nick the Greek is in there from Lock, Stock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. <laughs> what? Nick the Greek from Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. I don't know. I just saw him as a Nick the Greek. Go so ahead. he walks in on her changing, and she decides that she needs. To, I don't know. It's just. It's a. That it's, it's, his hi- it's a hygiene. I don't know dude. what it is. It's a whole thing. He gets down. He wants a massage. She thinks that she is Ivan the masseuse. Right. And so she starts rubbing his. He can't tell that this woman is not Ivan the masseuse. I really expected a spoon to come out at this point, and it never did. How did he not know that those hands were not Ivan the masseuse's hands? Yeah. These are soft woman hands, right? Not only does he not. nails. I mean, she really, I'm sure, takes care of her skin and uses a lot of lotions but and things like that. But this is where you see the Quapus magic really this show up in the shot. This is just right here. There's no shot where you see them both together in the scene. You only see her touching <laughs> something, and then you see a face of him laying in the massage table. It's so bad. And, of course, Boris just opens up to right Ivan the masseuse. Right to Ivan the masseuse. Just, just, I'm a do. good listener. With your masseuse? He's just chatting. Just chatting up how he feels about this joy woman. Oh, she vexes me. He, she gives me the oots. Gives him the oots, which is the thing she's been saying that she doesn't want to settle. She wants someone who gives her the oots. Right. And he said oots. So after that, she hears that from him. She goes back to her room, flops on her bed. She does the flip down on the bed. She could have massaged all night. <laughs> she could have rubbed him tight. And then massaged for more. This is where I realized we haven't seen the kids in like an hour. We haven't seen the kids. The kids are just gone. Wasn't she supposed to be their teacher? (laughs) Katarina pops in a couple times. But this is also where the the movie feels so sped up because now he's just a different person. Yeah. In every scene, he's rapidly different. But she it feels like down several scenes are cut out. Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> Which is insane because it's 107 minutes long. <laughs> like, was the original cut of this like two and a half hours or something? Like, is there some crazy like eight hour version like Greed or something that's like in some vault somewhere? Holy Showa. <laughs> it's like some <laughs> nine hours. Yes. We want the original cut. We only watch the original. Come on, Fran. Give it to us. Fran. We want more Fran. No. So she. After their little scene with the masseuse, their little mistaken I- identity where he opens up to have on the masseuse and not to her, she flops down on the bed because she's super into fascist dictators. She was just way into that, like super, super, super into that. But now she feels, okay, I love him, but now I feel guilty because I'm lying to him. So she decides that she needs to tell him the truth. Now we're at the summit? The ball? I don't know what it is. It's a ball, basically. But I thought it was a summit. So it's the summit ball. It's the classic summit <laughs> the ball. Summit ball. This is the VTN summit ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody knows about the the Geneva ball, <laughs> the Salt Two Dance, all of them. The Paris nineteen nineteen cotillion. <laughs> all great world treaties come with dances. <laughs> the, 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 the Nuremberg trial square dance. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. we all. That, Glenn Miller played that well, one. Absolutely. And then he was put on trial. That's we didn't even know. Yeah, didn't they say he disappeared, know. but no, yeah, that's Argentina, last place we saw. <laughs> Senor Bilar. So she comes down the stairs in a gown and jewels. She yep. looks majestic. She and looks amazing. Quits. So she comes down the stairs because it's the big ball, and she's wearing uh, jewels, and she's wearing this big gown, 
And they have a discussion, and she actually confesses that she's not a teacher. At which point, Boris says, quote, you're the best teacher I've ever known. Which does not say a lot for his education. Like, where did he go to school? Arizona State? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Taking shots at the Sun Devils. <laughs> Absolutely. All day. Take that, Pac-10. So they have this Beauty and the Beast dance, and she feels good because she's opened up to him and confessed, and he has accepted it, and he's in love with her, and she's changed everything, and he doesn't know what science is, so it's all good. I love that they start dancing before there's any music, and then one musician starts playing, and then you see one accordion come around the corner in the background and start playing, and I like, <laughs> that like maybe that the actor was like on break, and he's like, oh, fuck. Dance. <laughs> oh, dance shit. Now. I was having a smoke. <laughs> So they have their Beauty and the Beast style dance. Uh, the ball is a big success, though. Yuri, little naked Yuri, who is the little, the youngest child, little two or three year old Yuri, suddenly just runs into the scene naked and runs out into the street, like leaves the compound and just runs into the street naked. She chases after him, and then number two, kind of because he's always skulking in the corner, he sort of skulks in and says something. At which point, she turns around and starts talking to him. Yuri, we never hear from him again. <laughs> like, he just he keeps never going. shows up again. He never, he's just gone. He's gone. He ran naked into the woods and was never heard from again. <laughs> no, but she's suddenly distracted by like, well, there's a two-year-old just running around in the wilderness. But oh, well, I, we need to resolve this plot point. He's now a feral child out in the Slovetian <laughs> wilderness. So uh, the number two, not Udo Kier, he goes full PG Jason Alexander and yeah. Pretty Woman on her. Mm. He blackmails her with something that I don't think it'd be that hard for her to confess yeah. that she's sneaking the daughter down to see exactly. the person. Because at first she thinks, oh, well, he already knows I'm not a real teacher. And then he says, well, but he doesn't know that you're sneaking down to the dungeon, dungeon that's in our house, remind you, and taking the daughter to see him. Uh, but she goes and says, I'm going to right away and just confess to him. Boom. He's an understanding brutal dictator. So I'm just going to go do that. But I, I love also at this ball that he was going to free the prisoner. The guy's being held at the end of this hallway. He, just was, being he, held free him. he had a big speech, and then he was like, you know what? <laughs> nah, psych. I'm not freeing you back to the dungeon. And this guy, I was calling him Lazy Eye, Lazy Ivan Denisovich, <laughs> because he's got a lazy eye, and Ivan Denisovich was a political prisoner <laughs> in a gulag. But after rehabbing his image, right? Yeah. After rehabbing his image, he's effusive in his praise yeah. of Fran Drescher. Look what's, look what's happened. Look what you the did. People love me. And I've changed. He's admitting it. But However, he's not going to set the guy free. And she calls him on that. Free. Yeah. In front of everybody, he almost smacks his daughter. Yeah, because he finds out the daughter is going down to see him. And he lifts his hand to strike her. Not a dancer stops. No one's the dancers are like everyone. They're is, having a blast. It is straight up like the Mac and me scene all over again. It's Studio it's, 54. It's for these multi-ethnic teens witnessing a hate crime and having no reaction to it. <laughs> and when they hear this, it's just like, we're at a diplomatic ball, and this guy is abusing his daughter right in front of us. Should we stop with our waltz? No. Keep going. <laughs> So she calls him on it. She storms off. She, she says, you're a beast. Yeah. And I wanted him to go, and you, and you are, are a beautician. <laughs> oh, that's where the title comes from. Okay. That would have just been the most Steph cutting, biting gets term. It. So next scene, because even though, again, he's a brutal fascist dictator, and <laughs> she just called him off. Own. Well, yeah, leave on your own terms. Go ahead. Take your time. You want to stay the night? 
Stay free. Have, I'm going to pay you. You need to have a goodbye scene with the kids. I understand. I'm going to let They're, my children see you. Make sure they stand in a row in order of importance. Even though I'm angry you've let my daughter see her boyfriend that I've got in the dungeon, I'll let you hang out with my other get, kids. Get together and, and have private talk time. We found, we found the naked boy in the woods. <laughs> so she says goodbye to the kids and takes off. And, of course, the chicken is in... The hat and of bag. course, the three-year-old gives her wise words. Three-year-old gives her takes his fingers out of his mouth long enough to give her some sage advice. I will say we had a quirky cry moment here. Uh, <laughs> haven't had one since like episode four. Wow! But when she started crying, it's a Pavlovian thing with me. Unbelievable! So you started drooling when she was crying. It's yes, really disgusting, quirky. That is. I got on all fours. <laughs> I ate a can of dog food. It's ringing a bell. Oh God. This movie almost over. I mean, it has like a half hour, but we're going to rush through this no, pretty right? quickly, honestly. So, so they she, split. She's back in America. But she flies Doris home. Doris is in Slovetia. She flies home back to the movie lot her folks move live on. Yes. It is the worst. This is such a movie lot house. It's yeah. the TV you can audience. practically see the Universal tram tour behind them. It's just like, <laughs> and over here, they're filming Beautician and the Beast. Uh, this movie will, Nobody will, will not see remember it. it. <laughs> In 20 years. So, number two basically takes over the government because Boris is being all mopey. He's mopey. He's still asking the same guy about his cold. It's like several years later. The, the end of this movie takes like 20 so more minutes. Long. There's this whole... This is the worst scene in the movie. Honestly, because... Fran Drescher isn't in it. She's basically in almost every scene That's in the movie. That's true. That's a good point. It, and this is the one where she's gone, and we come back, and it's Boris, his number two, and the other guy, the guy who recruited Fran it's, Drescher. It's Boris, not Udo Kier, and top secret guy. <laughs> top secret guy, yes. And it's five minutes without Fran Drescher, and while I can't say that she was great in this movie, God, at least she has some energy, and she's lovely, and all yeah. that. You know what I mean? Oh, this is just pure death. Yeah, and Timothy it should be Dalton. over by now. What an absolute charisma vacuum T- Timothy Dalton is. They have no chemistry together. We didn't mention that because I don't know if we need to, but zero chemistry on between the, Fran uh, Drescher and Timothy Dalton. On the Jim Belushi, Courtney Thorne Smith scale. Yes. Where they don't they? generate nearly that kind of heat. Fran Drescher had more chemistry with the chicken. <laughs> so, number two, like we said, Boris is a big mo. Number two takes over, but he gets caught by Boris. Yeah. He was trying to reinstall all of his brutal fascist pogroms and regimes and what have you. Catches him and fires him. Gives a very long and boring speech. I mean, God, she leaves for five minutes. This movie just gets rigor mortis. Go back to Joy now. Go back to Joy. Birthday party. Why? Birthday party. Just birthday party. And birthday. not just a birthday party, but five minutes of setting up a of birthday party. Of the family walking in like one at a time, and they're all just, you know, they're her goofy ethnic family. She gets a membership to Blockbuster Video. Uncle Lou comes in, and it just goes on forever. Mom feeds chicken to the chicken. <laughs> and then we suddenly, Mom comes in and says, he's here. And, of course, it's a big fake-out scene where it's some old boyfriend from junior high school. And she says, some nebbish guy. Some schmuck. She's goes on to the step to cry. She's crying her eyes out. And here comes Timothy Dalton holding a solid gold tissue box, hands her a tissue. He was not 
arrested at the border for war crimes. No, that's right. Which is super disappointing. <laughs> he just wandered right into the country like he was Bruce Wayne in the Dark Knight, right? He just wanders up City. saying, though I've often walked on this street before, <laughs> the pavement stayed beneath my feet well, He tells before. her two things. First, everything worked out. Yeah. Free elections, sure. That dude freed everything fine. Number two, I love you. Number three, she says, two's enough. Kiss, music swells, movie's over. Beautician and the Beast. So that is Ken Quapas's 1997 romantic comedy, The Beautician and the Beast. Quirky final thoughts on The Beautician and the Beast. I've never watched The Nanny. I've never seen much Fran Drescher. She's charming. She's she's she walks that fine line of being unlikable, and she's got great com- comic timing. She she was watchable in every scene. Yes. So um, it's a slog. It's over long. It's, it's poorly written. It doesn't need to be over eighty minutes. Poorly in any shot. Form, in but any form. she is the definitely the star of the show. Yes, and she's delightful. And you kind of wonder. I mean, I sort of joked about it at the start of the show, but you think, man, maybe what if she did get an actual a better vehicle? This is just such a bad vehicle with such a bad director and such a bad co-star. I don't know if she's got any other tools in her box, though. You think this is it? I I mean, that's what she... Maybe she just knows her bread and butter and does it, but I've never seen Fran Drescher do anything but... not even saying a different character necessarily. Just a better vehicle. Just a better script and better stars and a better director. I mean, could she be worse than some of the other women who are become romantic comedy staples? Meg Ryan from the 90s. This was a theatrical-released sitcom. I think that's about it. Let's rate this sucker. Just to remind everybody about our rating system, we give a dare to the run-of-the-mill bad movie, double dare to the next-level bad, reverse dare to a movie that we think is actually pretty good quirky rating for The Beautician and the Beast. It's overlong. It's abysmally written. I mean, whole storylines and characters get forgotten for a large percentage. It doesn't make the best use of her talents. However, I'll still say it's a dare because it's not just hateable it's not to stay away from you could waste time with this on an afternoon and i think if your little kids could probably like this movie it's pg it's harmless dare yeah i feel the same way i mean it's on the low end of the dare yes. scale on the very very low end but i can't quite go to double dare because as you said it's not loathsome and it's not because fran drescher isn't loathsome and she's in every scene of the movie except for that five minutes which was pure death <laughs> pure death but I, she's likable and she's attractive and Whenever she's doing her shtick, I was fine with it. But man, what a sorry, sorry vehicle for her talent. Absolutely. Well, that's all we have for you on this episode of Dare Daniel. But we'll be back in two weeks to review another of your movie dares. Until then, send your most sadistic or altruistic movie dares to us at daredaniel.com. And be sure to follow Dare Daniel Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Like and rate us on iTunes or wherever you listen to those podcasts. What are those podcasts? I don't know what those are. You can read more of my movie reviews at daredaniel.com. Corky, where can people find more of your brutal, brutal fascist dictator work? Well, in June, I'll have two nights in a torture chamber in a castle in Slovitsia. That's a good gig. I'll be doing gulags and pretty much anywhere political dissidents are thrown and forgotten about. That's huge. You'll see me in the Iron Mask in July. I'll be doing a (laughs) three-nighter. Come down to the Sacramento Comedy Spot every Saturday night. See my show, Anti-Cooperation League. Sounds good. For Dear Daniel, I'm Daniel Barnes. Our producer is Johnny Flores. He is a fascist strongman.
And I'm E. McDonald's saying, uh, Fen Fen. Fen Fen for yourself.